Welcome, listeners, to another Transformation Church Sermon Podcast. Let's prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God. Come on, why don't y'all give Jesus some praise real quick in the house. Come on, this Resurrection Sunday, He's alive. Give Him your best. He's worthy of it. Come on, give Him your best. Make this place loud. Come on, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you're alive. We are a loud and rowdy church, and uh, we give God all the praise. We get loud in church. Come on. We, we want to be louder than the karaoke bar you were in last night, okay, somebody? And so we, we're determined, uh, my wife and I, uh, want a place that people can sing out and shout to Jesus and not feel judged. Come on. I always say, don't judge someone's breakthrough until you've been through their been through. Come on. You know what I mean? It's sometimes, sometimes the shout that we have is because we've been through a lot, and so I'm glad uh, that you're in the house today. We're going to be in the book of John today. And uh, come on, happy Easter, everybody. So glad to be, uh, have, have a Savior that's alive. And I know uh, the globe celebrates and the consciousness of God's uh, risen power is on this, uh, on this day celebrated. But I think resurrection's every day. You guys know that. And the power of God lives inside of us. And Jesus says the same power that rose me from the dead is in, in us. And so we've got that power available today. And I want to look at a story where uh, some, someone kind of felt like the power of God wasn't available for a minute, and uh, I'm going to take you through kind of a journey uh, in John. John, um, his gospel, I love the gospel of John, it's written to uh, the entire world. So many of the other gospels, obviously they all speak to the world, but uh, when you look at Matthew, it's written to the Jews. When you look at Mark, it's written to the Romans. When you look at Luke, it's written to um, the Greeks. And then when you look at, at, at the, the gospel of John, it's written to the entire world. It's the gospel. It's the spiritual gospel of John. And so uh, he portrays or he crafts his book around seven miracles that Jesus did. We see all seven miracles that he mentions. And I'm going to just speak about those real quick. And then we're going to focus on the seventh miracle that Jesus did when he rose Lazarus from the dead. We're going to look at that today. And then I'm going to uh, kind of parallel Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead from when he rose from the dead and what that looked like. Uh, the seven miracles, the first miracle Jesus did, he turned water to wine. Um, and so there was no wine at a wedding. A wedding is supposed to be full of celebration and joy. There's no wine at this wedding. Uh, Jesus turns water to wine. It symbolizes that there's no joy in religion. The water and the purification in those buckets, they were trying to purify themselves. Religion is always trying to purify itself to get to God. There's no joy in that. Uh, religion is a stranger to joy. You can go to church your whole life, and if you have no joy, you probably have religion. Uh, with Jesus in a relationship with Jesus, it's full of joy. He was saying that we need joy and religion can't do that. A relationship with Jesus can. There was a nobleman that had his son healed, kind of showing us that status and wealth can't secure health. And so Jesus comes on the scene heals this noble man's son. Uh, there was a pool of Bethesda where a paralytic lived for 38 years, showing you and I that literally uh, we can do nothing to better our condition and our own strength and our own effort. There's areas of paralyzation in our life and we need God. We need Jesus to walk by and heal us. These miracles show us who we are and show us who he is. He feeds 5,000, showing us that we have no sustenance in ourselves that we need him to be our source, that we uh, need true bread, that you can try to fill yourself up on everything that we try to fill up on. We all do it. But the reality is he's the only one that fills those places in our life. He walks on water, showing us that we're going to go through storms in our life and we need him to help us navigate certain storms. That Jesus, anybody been through a storm that Jesus helped you navigate? Come on. I know I've been through some and I'm so thankful 
that he walks on water in the middle of my storm. He heals a man born blind from birth, the sixth miracle. This man's born blind from birth. I love the story. Shows us that literally we are born blind from birth, that none none are good, all have gone astray, and we can't get to God. We're blind unless Jesus gives us the vision to see God clearly and to want a relationship through Jesus. That's just, it takes Jesus. What I love about this story is all the disciples were going, whose fault is it this man is born blind? The religion is always looking for fault. Jesus is always looking for faith. He says, it's nobody's fault this man was born blind, but that you might see the glory of God. Jesus wants to increase our faith. That's the sixth miracle. And then the seventh miracle, he raises Lazarus from the dead. It's the first place we see Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. It's where we get that title. He goes, I'm resurrection. Resurrection is not a point in time. It's a person. Resurrection is a person. It's resurrection in life is Jesus, not just some event several thousand years ago. And so in this story, we see resurrection showing us that we all are dead in trespass and, and, and we need a savior. We need someone to bring us to life. Can I tell you, many people think Jesus died to make us good. Jesus did not die to make you good. He died to make you alive. And, and hopefully you'll become good out of the life that he fills you with. But if, you're, if your effort and your Christian existence is to culminate in just being good, that's not what he died for you to have. He died for you to have life and power and life more abundant. And as we get that life, we can walk the goodness of God out in our life. And so my, my prayer today as we look at resurrection and look at these stories is that we would really realize the ramifications of resurrection in our daily life. The, the, the debate's not if Jesus was a good guy. The debate is not if he was a Messiah, if, if he was like a, a, a teacher. The debate is if he was God. If a man came to this planet, lived perfectly, lived as God, lived as a man, rose from the dead, and came back to give you and I life. That's the debate. And so I think that if we really get that into our heart, it, it weighs on us daily. It's a daily um, uh, a daily realization that we live from heaven's perspective and not earth's perspective. And so I want us to have that realization today. I'm going to be in John 11. I've got a lot of verses to read to you. So listen fast. Okay. And y'all can, uh, we are a talk back church. So if something I say you like, you can just shout at me. That's good. You can, if, if something hits your heart you can say, Oh me, whatever it is you got to say. John 11, uh, verse one. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town Mary and her sister Martha, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God may be glorified through it. Verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after he had said, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she'd heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Mary was ticked off. She's like, I ain't having it. Jesus, I've worshiped you and my brother's dead and you didn't come. Like Mary's sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection is not a day, it's a person. 
I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, shall, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit. He was troubled and he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. That's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have opened or stopped this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he's been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then he took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave cloths. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. My title for today is uh, When Love Runs Late. When Love Runs Late. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that um, it never changes, but it changes us. Thank you for Resurrection Sunday, Lord. Thank you that you're alive and well, that you've never lost a battle. And whatever we need today, Lord, if, if individuals feel like um, maybe you're a little late in their life today, I pray you'd show up and give and do exactly what we need you to do today. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Uh, when love runs late, I, uh, that's really what was happening in this story. And, um, you can, you, you heard me read it. It's a lot of probably of emotions going on as, uh, these people that love Jesus are facing a, a situation. When I was, um, not dating my wife, but when I was, had my eye on her, I was, I was looking at her and I thought, man, this could be the one. And I'm check, checking her out. I came into church, gave my life to Christ. And I'm, you know, I wanted to find my wife in church. Come on. It's a good place to find your wife guys. And so, um, you know, and so I was like, well, I want to see, see who, who my wife is. And so she's checking me out, of course. And uh, <laughs> I knew she was falling head over heels in love with me. Uh, I could sense it. Uh, actually, I didn't even know she knew who I was. And, uh, but, she, you know, we'd go out to eat as a, as a young adults group. And there'd be young people. We'd all go out to eat after church on Sundays. And, and um, we went to this specific, uh, specific Chinese restaurant called The Boat in uh, Somerset, Kentucky. And we would go there after lunch. And one day there was a group of us and I saw, uh, you know, she was just, I could just feel she was like trying to figure out who I was. And, um, and like I said, head over heels in love. And so that was like our, the second time we'd ever gone out to eat with a group of people, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, and anyway, 
I just, I just love people. Like I, I, if I go to a restaurant, if you're with me, I'm going to meet five, six people. I'm going to say what's up to everybody. I'm going to make you feel awkward. I'm going to be a little weird. And uh, I'm going to talk about the, you know, I'm, so I'm doing that at this restaurant. I'm talking about the food on people's plates. I'm high-fiving their kids. I'm just, I'm meeting people coming back from the, from, from the buffet to come to my table. And I see her seeing that. And she told me later on that she actually fell in love with that. Like, like she loved that I loved people. She wanted a husband that, like, that, that cared and stopped and, and, and saw people. And so, you know, that's just who I was. Well, several years later, we're at Bible college in Dallas and we had our firstborn and, uh, and I would go to take the, the, the trash or I would go to do the laundry or I'd go to do something and I'd come back like an hour and a half later. And so that began, she began to say like, listen, I got a little baby. Like, where did you go? Like you've been, you went to take the garbage. It's been an hour and a half. I was like, oh, baby, I was praying for, for Mark, and God did miracles at the dumpster over here, and we were prophesying, and, and, and we started having a little, we broke, broke out the scriptures, and I met two new people, and, you know, and we lived in a tough area, so when we, were about, we about got robbed, and I prayed for the guy robbing us, and he got saved, you know? It was always, it was always so, but she's like, I have a newborn, and you've been gone an hour and a half. Could you, could you not do that? Here's the, the thing that she fell in love with me for, for began to frustrate her. But the thing that, that got me to my destiny and my purpose in, in God and in, in, in marriage and the thing that God used in my life began to frustrate the one I loved. This scenario in the Bible, the thing that God is, he's compassionate and loving and caring and taking care of the planet. The thing that we know about him is the thing that began to frustrate this family because God didn't show up. Some of you feel like God's running late on you right now. Some of you feel like, man, God, if you had been here, God, where are you? Like, God, why didn't you show up? You're wishing that God would have shown up. Here's the thing. God wasn't detained. He deliberately waited. He deliberately didn't come for several days. It's like, God, how could you, what happened? This is the house that he stayed at. This is their, his friends. This is Lazarus and Mary and Martha. This is the people that worship. This is Jesus' inner circle. Like he, this is where he stayed when he was tired. This is where he hung out. This is where he broke bread. And all of a sudden this stuff begins to hit their house. And this problem hits this home of Jesus worshipers. Like, have you ever had a problem hit home? I mean, it's one thing, like the world is crazy, right? There's wars and rumors of wars and news and all the stuff that's happening. I get people as a pastor, I get people all the time that send me all these crazy articles and want to know if it's the end of the world. I'm like, oh no, I'm just trying to love my neighbor. There's my neighbor right there, Vince. I love you. <laughs> Just trying to love my neighbor. We got rid of the go-karts. Okay, thanks, man. <laughs> I just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm trying to love God. And, love, and so all the, so, you know, reality is that we can turn on the news and look at all the problems and we can shoot up a little prayer and we can go about our daily business. We can continue about our life as normal. But when a problem hits home, we can't run from it that easily. I mean, I'm going to pray for the world, but when a problem hits my house, it's a whole lot different. I can't just go back as business as usual. Some of you've got a problem that's hit your house and it's like, I just can't go back to business as usual. And I love the Bible because it tells the full story. These are the worshipers. These are Jesus friends, like the good and the bad and the ugly. John lays it out on the table. Like this hits a home of people that had anointed his feet. They had perfumed him. They had loved him. They had had communion with him. And this stuff hits in their house. I just want to encourage you. Listen, sometimes problems hit the house. Write this down. Number one, don't allow your problems to disconnect you from your Jesus. Don't, don't allow what's hitting you in the face to disconnect you from God. Here's the thing. Sometimes problems will hit so close to home that they'll make you even question your own relationship with God. 
They'll make you go, God, do you even, am I even, uh, God, I don't even know you. And here's what Satan does. He uses accusation to bring separation. And so Satan will accuse you to you. He'll accuse you to your family. He'll accuse you to God. And he'll do that to separate you and disconnect you from Jesus. In this story, the sisters are like, man, we got a problem. We got to get a hold of Jesus. I speak Jesus over my family. I speak Jesus from the mountains. I speak Jesus in the streets. You and I have to learn how to get a hold of Jesus. They, they didn't go to their neighbors. They, they didn't get on social media. They didn't begin to try to deliberate or debate about what the answer was. They knew we've got to get Jesus on the scene. And I think for me and for you, sometimes we go through things and things hit our life and I've got to know, God, I need to get a hold of you. Lazarus is about to die. I can I imagine the sisters are like, hang on, man, he's coming. I know he's going to come. He, he, he loves us and, and Lazarus dies anyway. I don't know, man. I think sometimes it's great when God answers prayers, but what happens when he doesn't? What happens when Lazarus still dies? What happens when we've prayed and we've worshiped and God, if you were just here, where are you, Jesus? Where are you in my marriage? Where are you in my business? God, where are you? I'm about to get divorced. Where are you, God? I'm going through depression. Where are you, God? I can't get myself out of this cycle for the last couple of years. Where are you, God? I feel a little bit confused and Lazarus still dies. Man, I just, I think just because we walk through stuff doesn't mean God's not working. I, I, you know, Lazarus gets sick. Everyone around him is like, God, you're just waiting around. It feels like God's waiting around and not concerned. I, I'm the type of person, I've got a little, I got high energy. I don't drink coffee on Sundays for your benefit. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I'm, I'm a high energy guy. And so I remember years ago, I drank a big old venti Starbucks and preached. I mean, I'm sweating. I'm probably removing clothing. I don't know. And I get down and the Holy Spirit's like, that wasn't me. <laughs> I'm like, I'll never drink coffee again and preach. You know, and, and so I'm, but, but I'm a high, so if I'm freaking out, I want you freaking out. You know, if, I, if I'm in, I would, like, we're all freaking out together. The worst thing you can say to me is like, it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine. You know, we're all freaking out. I need, I need you to be freaking out. Like, and, and so I just, sometimes I get in situations, aren't you glad God's not freaking out when we are? God, so you're, some of y'all are freaking out. God's not freaking out. God is not on your treadmill. He's on a throne. And, and some of us think God is just running to keep up and to tread. And the Bible says he is finished. He is done. He is seated. I know your story looks crazy, but he's the author and finisher of your faith. There's no spoiler alert to God. He's the alpha and the omega. He's done. It's all worked out in his end. I just want to encourage you today. Come on. I know what it's like to freak out. God, I wish you were doing it my way. I wish you'd come right now. Your love is running late. I know you got to care about the world, but come in my window and speak the word. Fix it all, Jesus. That's what we want. He, he didn't even show up for his friend's funeral. Here's Lazarus. He dies and God, you didn't even show up for the funeral. Like, where are you? Mary's got an attitude. She's not even coming out. Martha comes out and she's like, Lord, if you had been here, my, my brother wouldn't have died. Lord, why, why didn't you do what I thought you were going to do when I thought you were going to do it? Lord, if you had been here, my marriage would have survived. Lord, if you had been here, my, my kids wouldn't have gone wayward. Lord, if you had been here, I'd be blessed or healed by now. Lord, if you had been here, what are you doing, God? You're late, God. Jesus says this in verse five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is interesting. So since he loved them, he waited several more days. He, he didn't show up and get involved because he loved them. God didn't do it the way you thought he was going to do it because he loves you. God didn't jump into your situation because he loves you. 
He's a father that knows what you need when you need it. He knows what I need when I need it. And I'm on my timeline, but he's on his timeline. God's saying, I wanted you to see my glory. I didn't show up in the situation and you feel like I'm running late because I actually want to do something that's going to help you believe on a deeper level. I want to do something that is actually going to bring me glory in a greater way. Like God, I, I know I don't, I want you to see truth in a, in a greater fashion. I want you to see who I am and trust me in a broader way. That's a father's love, right? I mean, I'm a dad and as a dad, like I've, I have to try to figure out what to get involved with my kids and what not to, what to rescue them from and what not to. I, I, as a dad over the years, have tried to figure out what they can see and what they can't see, what they're ready for and what they're not ready for. And now they're older. And so I'm still trying to figure out dads, you know what I'm talking about, how much to get involved, what do they need to know? What do I need to get involved in and what don't I need to get involved in? So growing up, they're fighting. I'm like, do I let them duke this one out? <laughs> Come on, it's gonna make them tough. Do I get in? Mom's like, stop them. I'm like, let them duke it out, let them fight. Like I, we grew up in our house, like my kids had, had flamethrowers and machetes in like third grade, somebody. Come on. You didn't want to send your kids to my house. Come on, Mike. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> we, we, I mean, we, we just, we, we just, like that was my house. Like we, my kids still remind me, my son's 18. He's like, you wouldn't let us watch SpongeBob, but we had machetes. I'm like, well, I wanted you to be powerful, but not a pervert. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. <laughs> Some of you are like, a SpongeBob, a pervert? I don't know. Come on. <laughs> but, but so with my boys, I mean, we, we, we raised them strong. We had a friend come to the house one time. He had little boys. And I'm not gender profiling here or anything, but it was just, it was awkward. Like the little boy, they're fighting with my kids and playing and wrestling. The little boy hit his, hit his head, bumped his head a little bit. And the dad, this, the dad's like, oh he, oh, he bumped his head. I'm like, oh, Little boy drops a little truck on his toe as he starts to cry. He's like, oh, oh, check his toe. He dropped a truck on his toe. It's a little truck on his toe. I'm like, you're the, you're the, this is awkward. Like, I'm feeling awkward. And, and the son, here's what the son would do. Every time the son would get hurt, you know how your kids do? They would fall and they would look to you to see how you would respond. And then they would react based on how you responded. And so every time the dad would, would respond like, ah, oh, the little kid would like, like, ah. I'm like, you're raising this little, ah. Like, just calm down. I was like, watch this. Watch, dude. And then something happened. The kid fell. I'm like, it's good. I was like, what's up, man? You fell? Oh, come on. You did that good. You took that strong. Oh, your knee? Man, I'm so sorry you fell. I empathize. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's wipe it off, man. You're good to go. High fives on that one, you little champion. And he's the little champion. He's like, yeah. He's back to playing, right? I think sometimes we raise and we, we're so weak because we think God's supposed to jump in and fix everything. God's saying, I didn't jump in and fix it because I'm your father and I want you to get stronger on the inside. I want your faith to get braver and bolder. I'm not raising weak kids. I'm raising strong kids. And God, I wish you would have shown up and they're like, it's too late now. And Martha's like, if you had been here, Mary's like, if you had been here, it's too late. Write this down. God isn't late. You've given up early. He's not late. Like sometimes we just, we just give up. And Martha kicks into this faith moment in verse 22. She says, God, even now, I know he's dead, but God, even now, I know that the Lord hears you. Jesus, even now, I know you can raise him from the dead. And Jesus says this. This is where we get stuck between reality and theology. Jesus says, do you believe I can raise him? You'll see him. You'll see him. He'll raise from the dead. And she goes, well, I know on the last day. I know when resurrection's final. I know one day you'll raise him. I know it'll all work out one day. We get stuck there and, and, and Jesus is like, no, no, no. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I've got power today to do something. I got power now to do something. I got power to heal today. And, and so literally she goes, and Jesus goes, do you believe that, that I'm the resurrection and the life? And she goes, I believe it. I believe it. And she has that faith moment and she says, I think you can do something even now. I just want to encourage somebody in here today. God can do something even now. He can restore your hope. Maybe it didn't, it, the healing didn't come. He can restore hope. Maybe things still broke. He can bring, bring wholeness. Maybe your marriage is on the brink. He can still bring new, fresh life. Maybe you're dealing with perversion or not. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction. Maybe I don't know what you're dealing for, but I believe that we can have an even now miracle today that God is not late, that you can keep believing that something can change today. Come on. Resurrection power is here. Even in your pain. Yeah. Amen. Even in your pain and disappointment, God can get glory. I don't know what you're facing or where you feel like he was late, but he's here and he's able to do some things. Martha gets Mary. She comes out and she's weeping. She says, Lord, if you had a, if you had a been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus groans inside of himself. And then he says this in verse 34, he says, where have you laid him? I mean, he'd been in that town. He knew where the tombs were. He knew, I mean, he's God. He knew, he knew where he was laid. He's like, where have you laid him? Take me to him. Take, take me to where you buried him. And this is what I feel like God's saying sometimes to us. T take me to the place that you quit believing. T take me and show me the place that you buried the thing you were believing for. Take me and put, and, and put me in the context of your pain and show me where you gave up. Show me, take me to where you buried that thing. Take me to the place where you were abused so bad or where you were hurt so bad or take me to the place that you quit on the dream or you quit on the child. Take me to the place that you began to go through the motions with religiosity. Take me to the place where you quit praying because you thought I didn't care because you were abused and hurt so bad that you thought I didn't love you. Take me to those places that you buried and I want to believe God with you. I want to raise something from the dead. I think God needs us. Sometimes we're scared to take him to the place of pain that we buried, but that's how we get healed. When we actually can take God to that place, sometimes we're scared to tell him he knows anyway. And she took him by the hand. She took him right to the spot. And she says this, Jesus says, roll away the stone, roll away the stone of the thing that's in front of what you buried. I just want to say to some of you, some of you have made your heart so callous and so hard because you've, you've experienced so much hurt or disappointment or pain that you've buried it in there deep. And you're like, I'm not even going to believe for that anymore. And you've put some things over top of that to guard it. And God's just saying, if you would just roll away the doubt today, if you just roll away the pain or the bitterness, just roll some things away and believe. I, I say it this way. Take the limits off your Lord today. Take the limits off today. Let's, let's just say, okay, God, I'm going to give you access. I'm going to let you get into these areas, God. I'm, I'm going to allow you to. So they roll the stone away. And then Martha's like, Jesus, Jesus is like, listen, roll it away. Martha goes, I love this. Martha's like, hey, be careful, Jesus. He's been dead four days and there's a stench by now. It stinks. Come on, don't we just, we always get in the practical, right? Jesus is like, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? So they roll it away. Jesus speaks some things. Lazarus come forth and Lazarus comes out. I wrote another little note for you. Write this down. God doesn't stop at your stink. <laughs> These are simple. I'm just a simple guy. I mean, listen, a lot of times you think God doesn't get involved when stuff is messy or stinks in my life. I was, I, I took my, my boys and I, we like to watch UFC, um, mixed martial arts, um, and so they had their friends over a few, about a month ago and we had a, one of the fights on and they had basketball that night. And so all the boys played basketball in a game and they came over to the house after the game. I'm in the living room and none of them took a shower like to, but, and I, and I have the, I'm in my own living room 
and I, I sit down to watch the, the fight and all of a sudden I get a, a waff. <laughs> and the, the, the guy that plays center is about six foot six, 275 pounds. And he's got some big old stinking feet. <laughs> I'm not gonna say his name. He, but, he, but we all called him. I, I literally, listen, it was so bad. I had to move. I moved out from my living room to the side of the, the whole entire house. I'm watching my own TV from a distance because this dude's feet are so funky in my living room. I, I, I couldn't even, I was at a distance having to enjoy my life. Some of you think God is at a distance having to watch your life because stuff stinks too bad. You're like, well, God's not going to get involved in that. Or God doesn't want to, he's not, no, no, no. God gets right up. He's not like me. He gets right up in the stench, gets right up in the smell, gets right up in the mistakes, right up in the sin. And he's begging you, would you actually take me to it? The areas that are your darkest secrets and the things you're ashamed to tell him or anybody, that's where God wants you to walk him into. And he's not ashamed or scared to get into that and begin to help. And to begin to fix, he walks up into that with Lazarus. He says, come forward. And Lazarus comes out of the grave. They move the stone away. Holy Spirit goes in and Lazarus comes out. It's just such a beautiful story. And God, if you had been here, if you had been here, it wouldn't happen. Listen to me. If God had come sooner, none of the crowd would have been around. Everybody would have missed the miracle. The theologians believe that the Sadducees had a, had a belief system that said if someone died, their spirit actually hovered over their body for three days, and so that they weren't actually dead until the fourth day. So Jesus knew that if he showed up on day two or day three or showed up early, that everyone would have said he actually wasn't dead, and there's no glory, and there's no miracle. And so he came in the moment when all the doubters were surrounding and all the co-workers are saying it's impossible for you to come back from that. And all the haters and all the enemies, God is actually setting you up for a miracle. You think he's late. You think he's not showing up, but he's actually setting it up so that when he comes on the scene, everybody has to say, that was impossible. That was God. They're not saying it's my strength or your strength. It's only God's strength. God uses my graveyards and your graveyards for his glory. He says, Lazarus, come out of the grave. The Bible says this, and he, he says when, when, when Lazarus came out, he was bound by these grave clothes, and, and literally, uh, he asked his friends to take the grave clothes and take them off of Lazarus. It said that they were around his head, around his face, and he was still bound by them. Can I, can I just say a couple things to you? Sometimes we are, we are called forth by God, but we're still bound by the things we were buried in. And, and so sometimes we become Christians and we know the things about God's power, but we still allow certain grave clothes to wrap us up. And I, I got, here's fear right here. A lot of times we let fear wrap up our life and fear really is, uh, is just the root of like anger and, 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 and control. Some of you manifest fear through anger and control. And so you, you want to control everything. Maybe your life was out of control at seasons. And so now uh, anger is an acceptable emotion, but it's really the root of that is actually fear where you're afraid that everything's going to spiral out of control. So you have to use anger to get everybody in control. And so sometimes we're bound up by, by fear. Sometimes we're buried and we come forward and we've been bound by certain things like addiction in our life. I don't know. Sometimes we think addiction. We think hardcore drugs and things like that. It could be success. You could be addicted to success. You could be addicted to failure. You, you, you could fail to fit in. Well, I'm just, 
They're just, oh, I'm not that good. I know, I know young teenagers that fail to fit in all the time. And may, maybe you're addicted to food or drugs or, or alcohol. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe, it, I don't know what it is, but sometimes we're bound up by those kind of things. Lazarus comes out, Jesus brings him back to life. And, and here's the thing, this, this actually wasn't resurrection. This was just coming back to life. He died again. Sometimes we're bound up by bitterness. God, I can never forgive them. You have no idea what they did to me. I, I'm coming to church. God, I've given my life to you, but deep down in your heart, you know there's certain bitterness and certain things. Come on, we all face things that we've got to forgive. And God, they did that to me and I, I can't get over it. God says we can. We get bound up by that. We come out of the grave and Jesus speaks our name and we get bound up by doubt. God, I was abused so bad. How could you even be real? God, I went through so much. God, I failed you so many times. I don't even believe that I've got the real thing. God, I doubt that you know about me or care about me. It's easy to get wrapped up in doubt. Lord, the world's falling apart and people are getting hurt and there's war and there's diseases. God, do you really care? God, why are you so late with your love? Sometimes we get bound up by shame. Shame sometimes has regret attached to it, isolation and insecurity. And Man, God, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I could have gotten healed from that. And we come out of the grave and we've got these grave clothes on us. We all carry them. I stuck one on the cross today. Down here, we've got these two stations. And here's what's beautiful. Here's what allows us to come out of those. The resurrection Sunday, resurrection service, Easter, Jesus coming out of a tomb. Literally, you can begin to take every grave cloth that you were buried in. And since Jesus came alive, we can actually begin to hang shame on the cross and hang doubt on the cross. And, and we don't have to carry this stuff around in our life. We can hang bitterness on the cross. And I, I don't know, we can lay the rags to rest today because of Easter. Easter is actually saying, God, I know it seemed like you ran late, but I know you love me. I'm going to lay some rags to rest today. Let, let me say this to you. Some of you, your rags or your own good works. Like you, you don't really have a relationship with Jesus. You're just trying to be a good person. I'm just a good person. The Bible says that our most righteous deeds are filthy rags. Some of us need to lay our filthy rags on the cross today and go, you know what, God, I can't earn my way with you. I can't try to please you in my own strength. I'm gonna actually lay my righteousness at the cross so that I can get your righteousness and get what you did for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay addiction and shame and fear and doubt. In John 20, listen to me, I'm almost done. In John 20, it's such a different picture of resurrection. When Jesus comes out of the grave, the Bible says that Peter and John run down and they begin to scrutinize in the empty tomb. They look through there and they see these grave clothes. The same grave clothes that Lazarus was wrapped in when he came back to life are actually laying there, uh, wrapped up and set aside when Jesus came back to life that Jesus had so much power in his resurrection that he just came right out of the rags and had wrapped him up. And today there's so much power in resurrection. I believe that God can set you free and you can lay some rags to rest. We have nails on these crosses. There's little pieces of grave cloths on each of these tables. And as we go into this moment, would you stand with me? We're going to begin to worship God. And I think that you can lay some rags to rest today. I'm going to lay some rags to rest in my own life. I believe there's going to be prayer team down here. Maybe you need to put a rag on the cross and Maybe you need to come back to God for the first time today and say, you know what, God, I don't want religion. I, I, don't, I, don't want, I need a relationship. I'm ready to lay my life at the cross today. I believe that you're God. Maybe you need something that you need off your life that you've been bound by. Nobody's judging in this place today. 
There's already rags hanging there from first service. I think God can do anything. Come on. The, the empty tomb is God flexing on the devil and on death. The empty tomb is God saying, if I can get Jesus out of those rags, I can get you out of anything today. Come on. God can do anything in our life. God can do something this morning. He can get glory and honor and praise. Love is not late. Come on. He can do anything. Thank you for listening to another Transformation Church sermon podcast. If you would like someone to pray with you, or if you would like some ministry materials, please email us at hello at transformationchurch.us.